the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus leads us with concern as we grow in our relationship with Him. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I entitled this message, Many Doors, as we look into John chapter 10. Have you ever been looking for the right door and maybe you've gone through the wrong door? I've shared this before a while back, but it happened to me one time. I have my little method of uh, when I go into a restaurant and they give you the menu. Now, I've watched multiple studies that they've done on restaurant menus, and I'm not trying to gross you out, but they say that restaurant menus are a hotbed for bacteria. They said that they've done tests in restaurants where they've taken swabs on the bathroom floor and they're cleaner than the menus. Okay, so so this has always been in my head. So my mode of operation when I go into a restaurant is I go in, I sit down, they hand you the menu. I grab it with both hands. I open it up. I'm all over that menu. And then once I order, I give the menu back. Then I get up and go to the little boy's room and I wash my hands. And then I just wait until the food comes and I just partake right there. So that's my thing. I've been doing it for like years upon years, decades I've been doing this. So I did it at one restaurant. I got done, handed the menus back, got up, went in, into the bathroom, and I'm washing my hands like I always do. And all of a sudden, this woman walks right in on me. And I'm just like, oh, and she looks at me, whoa. She goes, I'm sorry. I'm like, you should be. <laughs> she walks out and, and then just like five seconds later, another woman walks in and I'm like, whoa, she goes, whoa. And she left, you know, and I'm like, what is going on with these crazy women? What's wrong with these women? And then all of a sudden I'm looking at the mirror and it's got little light bulbs all around the mirror. And then I notice as I'm looking at the reflection behind me, that's all stalls and no stand-up urinals. What does this mean? I'm thinking to myself, oh no. And I go to the door and I open it up. Women. I was in the women's bathroom. It's like, now, you might not think that's crazy now because we have laws now where men, you know, if you think you're a girl, you can just go in any bathroom you want. But this was before crazy laws. And I went through the wrong door. Yes, you know. So we must watch which doors that we go through. It might not be the one that you think it is. Sometimes life can resemble a series of doors. And some of those doors appear to be locked. Yet, some have tried to force open those doors. And some have even tried to do like the big bad wolf and huff and puff and and blow those doors down. 
But what if you're trying to go through a particular door in this life? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship. And you're trying to unlock this door that appears to be locked. You keep pursuing a relationship that the person is telling you, no, don't want anything to do with you. You keep trying to pursue a job that you can't get into. I wonder if the door is locked for a reason. Maybe you're not supposed to go through that door. Then there's secret doors that we don't tell anybody about, and we walk through those doors, and you know, we have to remember that God sees every door we walk through, so we've got to be careful on those secret doors because maybe it's a door we're not supposed to be walking through. But this is why we should close any and all secret doors because God is watching what we do when no one else is. Yes, there are many doors in life, even the golden door of opportunity. But we have to be careful with that door because if it looks too good to be true, many times it just might not be true. Yes, there are many doors in life, including the one door that is common to all, and that's the revolving door of life. That's the door that many can't seem to get out of, the door that keeps many just going round and round and round in this life. But know this, God has a perfect door for each and every one of us to walk through. So there is doors that God does want us to walk through. There is doors that he does want us to open. It's called the door of his destiny, not ours. It's not like some TV game show where if we answer the right question, your prize is behind door number two. Understand, God knows the plans that he has for each and every one of us way before we were ever born. That's what I love so much about Psalm 139. You know, God says, look, I formed you in your mother's womb and before you had one day, meaning before you came out of your mother's womb, God says, I knew all of your days. I already knew them. Yes, that's why it's so important for us to make the right choices in life. For there's a lot of choices out there, and God gave us a freedom of choice because we have our own free will, either his will and purpose or our own. So which door will we decide to go through? And it's very extremely important to know that his destiny is not behind every door. It's the door that he wants us to go through, where it's his will and not my will. That's where we have to understand that our Abba in heaven, our father, our daddy in heaven, his plan for us is much greater than our plans for ourselves. Many throughout the pages of the Bible had purpose and plan, and when they followed God's purpose, it landed them as great patriarchs of the faith you know, like Moses. I mean, Moses had a purpose. He didn't realize it until he was 80 years old. But his purpose was to deliver God's people out of slavery in Egypt. But again, he didn't realize it till he was 80. Or what about David, the giant slayer? He was called to be the greatest king that Israel ever had. And he was called as the youngest brother not the oldest. There were seven older brothers that should have been called before him. But God said, no, their heart wasn't in the right place, but David's was. And what about the one and only Simon Peter, the crusty fisherman turned into a disciple for Jesus? 
Yes, throughout the Bible, men and women have been set aside for the work of the Lord. You know, Ruth and and Esther, you know, I mean, again, it's like there was a former prostitute that was named Rahab, you know, and she became the great-great-grandmother of David, you know. So God has used men and women, but it had to be those that were willing to not go through the wrong door of life, but to go through the right door of life. Well, we're going to look at here the gospel of John in John chapter 10. Let's start reading together as we look at our first point, entering the door. So that's John chapter 10 in verse 1. Jesus speaking, of course, he said, truly, truly, whenever Jesus said, verily, verily in your King James Bible, or truly, truly. It's like, hey, listen up here. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and a stranger. They simply will not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Oh, well, let's stop there for a second. So Jesus, he always sounded so poetic. Could you imagine just listening to Jesus? What about when he was giving the Sermon on the Mount there at the north end of the Sea of Galilee? I mean, it's just so beautiful right there. You know, I think about, you know, just how wonderful his messages must have been and just to sit there and listen to him. They were so biblical. You know, Jesus' message were so doctrinally correct. Only one problem. At times, the people just simply did not get it. Verse 6 says that the people didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. But was it really that hard? For back one chapter earlier, if you were to go back and read chapter 9, Jesus was talking to the very same group of people, and he told them that the religious leaders were blind guides. For there was a man who was born blind, but now he sees. And the religious leaders were not having any part of it. The religious leaders who could all see physically were really blind spiritually. Why? Well, number one, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. That was a big mistake. And number two, they rejected the miracle of a blind man that was now seen. And because of their unbelief, Jesus pronounced to them in John 8.41 that their sin would remain. Yet now Jesus likens these leaders to shepherds. Now, this isn't some new metaphor that he was creating on his own. A metaphor, as you know, is a figure of speech implying a comparison. God had referred to spiritual leaders as shepherds throughout the entire Old Testament. Listen to what God said in Jeremiah 3.15. He says, I will give you 
shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. So shepherds are like pastors today. You know, we're there to care for the sheep. Jesus likens us to sheep, okay? So the shepherd would be the one that would be the spiritual leader and the one feeding you. Yes, God desires to raise up men for the purpose of ministry. But as you know, as soon as humans get involved with what God's plan is, it doesn't take long for us to mess things up at times, as you know. Even if we start off right, the Bible warns us in Proverbs sixteen eighteen that pride goes out before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. And the religious leaders here in John were stuck on themselves, their own pride, their own arrogance. Their spiritual pride was so bad that it literally blinded them to the reality of the Messiah standing in front of them and even healing a man that was born blind. Listen to what God said to all the leaders who lost sight of their real purpose and their calling. In Jeremiah twelve ten, it says, Many shepherds have ruined my vineyard. The vineyard would be the nation of Israel and what God was doing there. They have trampled down my field. They have made my pleasant field a desolate wilderness. Wow. Ouch. Jeremiah 23, 1 says, Woe, grief, sorrow, and misery to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord God. Woe to them. Like, woe to you when you're not speaking the truth to my people. See, the truth isn't always candy-coated. The truth isn't always easy to swallow. So that's why the true shepherd has to say the things that are not easy to hear sometimes. Because God wants to do a work in us. And the only way that that work can happen is to speak truth. Some people, like with their children... They will not punish him when they do something wrong. Oh, well, they're just so sweet. I don't, I don't want to be the meanie. I don't want to be the one that, that, you know, causes pain in their heart. And, you know, just let them do whatever they want to do. And then, you know, it's fine when the child is three or four years old. Well, it's not fine then. But just know, as they get older, it's only going to get worse. So if you're seeing rebellion in your children, how many here have children? Okay, so quite a few of you. So you understand, if you let Junior or little Missy get away with anything they want to get away with at two or three years old, when they become 11, 12, 13 years old and they enter into the teenage years, they're going to be a little monster. Why? Because you never dealt with issues with them when they were little. Therefore, as they get older, guess what? The issues get bigger and the consequences are even greater. And so... Just like us parents are called to discipline our children, okay, the Bible says, if you don't discipline your children, you hate your children. People would argue and say, no, 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 how can spanking your child love your child? No, 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 I'm not going to spank my child. I'm not going to do anything like that because I love them. No, the Bible says, if you don't discipline your child, you hate your child. Wow. So again, the shepherds, are those that that are supposed to love the sheep so much that they're willing to tell them the truth even when it hurts. You know, some shepherds, they would have some sheep that would wander off. I'm talking about a real shepherd shepherd over a real sheep. 
type of sheep, okay? And they have some sheep because, you know, when God likens us to sheep, that's not a compliment. Sheep are one of the stupidest animals on the planet. So you could have a sheep that keeps wandering off. Now, the shepherd knows if the sheep wanders off, he's going to be lunch for a wolf, okay? Maybe dinner, maybe a midnight stack, but whatever, a wolf is going to eat the sheep. Now, a sheep doesn't really have any way of defending itself. Not only is it stupid, it's not like a ferocious animal. So it's going to get hurt. So if it keeps wandering off, some shepherds will actually go grab the sheep and break its leg. You're thinking, oh my goodness, isn't that a little drastic? Well, the sheep learned you don't wander off. Because pain is going to be there. So what's better, breaking the leg of the sheep or letting it be lunch for a wolf? So the point is here, again, shepherds were called to speak the truth to God's people. God went on to say in the 34th chapter of Ezekiel, in verse 12, it says, As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep, God says, and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will feed my sheep, God says. I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the law. I will bring back the scattered. I will bind up the broken and strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 34, it starts off with God is roasting the shepherds. Why? Because they're not teaching the sheep. They're not feeding the sheep. They're not looking after the sheep. So finally, God gets so frustrated with them. He says, you know what? I'll just do it myself. Yeah, here in John 10, though, now, Jesus does the same thing. He establishes himself as the good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, the good shepherd. And Jesus uses terminology that this culture knew and understood about shepherding. Understand, sheep, again, from several different shepherds, would and could be kept in one pen at the nighttime to protect them from wolves and what have you. And anyone not using the door must have been a thief looking for some free land chops. Okay, so notice in verse 2 to 4, the shepherd always uses the door and his sheep hear his voice and know his voice. So you could have three different guys with all their sheep in there, but the sheep that belong to each shepherd know his voice and they'll follow him and not someone else. So today, most sheep are driven with sheep dogs and are often used here uh, for this type of driving sheep. You know, going down to New Zealand, I was in that country multiple times, like, I don't know, six, seven times I was in New Zealand. We were doing harvest crusades down there, and there's more sheep in New Zealand than there are people. So I got a little bit of experience with sheep while we're down there. And again, they use dogs to drive and scare the sheep to move them where they want. Yet there's also a personal way of being a shepherd to sheep. And these shepherds in Israel would lead their sheep. They would not drive their sheep. They would have their own calls and the sheep would hear and follow their shepherd. And the sheep learned to hear and to trust again that call. These shepherds would even name their sheep. And that's how Jesus does with us. He knows our name. He does not drive us. He leads us. He wants us to follow him. And he leads us with care. Jesus leads us with concern as we grow in our relationship with him. 
we not only can know his voice, but we can be confident that he knows and hears our voice. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, morning, noon, and night, I plead aloud in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Isn't that awesome how David says, morning, noon, and night. I wonder if that's a little encouragement that we should be praying with the Lord continually. You know, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. That just means to be in conversation with God without ceasing. So, you know, any given day, whether it's a Monday, a Tuesday, a Thursday, a Saturday, a Sunday, we should be in and out of conversation with God, right? Amen. Well, one person likes it. <laughs> but uh, you get the points. We should be in and out of conversation. When you think, well, it says pray without ceasing, what does that mean? Do I just quit my job and go pray on a hill somewhere? No. It just means be in and out of conversation with God. Yes, the shepherd knows his sheep, and his true sheep follow him. What a picture of how we are to follow the Lord. Listen to him as we follow him through life. And what a shepherd we have. Jesus likened himself to living water. Back in John chapter 4, if we drink of him... We will never thirst again. He's not talking about a bottle of Aquafina, you know, uh, some bottled water. He's talking about the things that we're looking for to satisfy us in life. When we drink of the Lord, we will be satisfied in him and not waiting upon the world to somehow satisfy us. Because haven't we all figured out yet? That yet nothing in this world totally satisfies? I mean, nothing totally satisfies us. Yes. So John chapter 6 claimed that Jesus was the bread of life, he said. Those who come to him, he said, would never hunger. He claimed to be the light of the world in John chapter 8. Those who walk in him will no longer walk in darkness but we will walk in the light. In Matthew 11, all those who are weary and burdened down can now find him and be total at rest with him. Yes, Jesus is the good shepherd. And for all of us in humanity who can hear his voice, his invitation stands firm. He stands firm to the thirsty, It stands firm to the hungry. It stands firm to the heathen and the weary. He says, come unto me, and we will be able to hear his voice. And you will no longer hunger. You will no longer thirst for the meaning and satisfaction of life. Sinners can be forgiven and no longer walk in darkness. But now we can walk in his light. The weary, the burdened can and will find rest for their tired soul. Don't you get tired sometimes? Just here in the world? I mean, it's just, sometimes you get tired. I mean, it's just like work is just stinking work. That's why they call it work. You just have to get up and you have to go. I was talking with someone a couple weeks ago and they were just saying, I don't like my job. I'm like, well, welcome to life. Who does like their job? I mean, I can say when I was working in uh, construction, I liked my job in a sense that, you know, I was going to a different place all the time. I was working on different projects, you know, in construction, you just, you know, you're all over the place. And so if I had to work in a physical job, I liked what I was doing, but it didn't satisfy. And it was never easy to get up at five o'clock in the morning and get out the door to go to work. I mean, it's just like you work all day, you work long, you work hard, you sit and 
traffic, hours a day. I'm away from my family. I was averaging about 12 hours a day. I'd leave 5 o'clock in the morning, and I rarely got back at 5, so I was usually getting home at 6 or 7. So it was 12 to 14 hours a day. A lot of that was sitting in traffic, as you know, here in Southern California. But it's like work is work. And I was telling this individual, I said, look, it's not about you liking it or not, but you have a family, you have kids, and you have to get up and go to work. It's what we do. It was part of the curse for eating of the forbidden fruit that men would work by the sweat of their brow. And now here in these last days, especially these last 40 years, women have worked more than they have ever worked. Because now women not only have to take care of home, have to take care of their children, have to take care of that hairy beast they married, They have to work on top of all that, okay? So there's just a lot out there, and it's really burdensome. But yet, we can find our souls getting tired in the midst of it. But that's why Jesus says, come to me. Jesus is the good shepherd. Can we conceive of anything more comforting than that? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.